they've been married for 30 years. He's a pioneer of Catholic lay evangelization, and she has a master's degree in theology. Put on the coffee and get ready to open the scriptures. It's time for Bible with the Barbers. Now, here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome to the Bible with the Barbers. I'm so happy to be here with you. As I mentioned on the show, the Terry and Jesse show, that we're going to be talking about the end times. What does the Catholic Church have to say about the end times? And much more. But before I do that, I was told by the boss upstairs <laughs> that, uh, hey, I'd give it. we got Advent coming up. We have an Advent package. What I did years ago, Mary Danielle, and you remember, I took the In Conversations with God and I did a Advent series of four weeks yes. of Advent. Yes. It's about five hours of, of reflections, but it's every five minutes. So you do it each day of Advent. So it's a reflection. And uh, we also have Dr. Scott Hans talk on the kingship of Christ that you and I were there at a family yeah. conference when he gave that talk. Yeah. And in that set, I have Archbishop Sheen, the true meaning of Christmas. Oh, awesome. So this is, this is a package. It's a, you go to catholicresourcecenter.org. It's an Advent package. It's $20. Or if you want to make a donation, even more, you can do that also. But uh, we wanted you to have a great Advent. And I think with Fulton Sheen, Scott Hahn, and this bald-headed old guy, I, I, my material is all from Opus Dei. And it's yeah. really beautiful. So check it out by going to Catholic Resource uh, Center. And uh, .org, CatholicRC.org. I'm sorry, CatholicRC.org. All right, Mary, let's talk about something fundamental to the church, and that is salvation. Amen. And and I want to start with the Angelus because it's noon, and uh, we should practice the the Angelus. uh, God God became incarnate, Emmanuel, God with us, Jesus Christ, in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done to me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word was made flesh. And dwelt amongst us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God. We be made worthy the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech you, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I found a great article on essential Catholic teachings on the end time. And it's it's Monsignor Charles Pope, so anything he does, you know, is outstanding. And I just, again, what it is, is this is, as Terry mentioned at the end of his show, this is the end of the liturgical year. We are coming to the end of, so, and and every year the church wants us to think about, by the way, daily the church asks us to think about death, not in a morbid, frightening way, but as a reality. Because of original sin, remember, sin entered the world through man's disobedience to God, and with sin entered death. God did not make death, nor did he make sin. 
Sin was man's disobedience against God. And as a consequence of that, man has to die. So we can offer up our coming death in reparation for original sin and also as a way of conforming ourselves to God's holy will. So the Catholic approach, Father Pope says in his article, to the end times is different from that of certain, but not all, Protestant circles, especially the evangelicals. We have a strong and often vivid, who, excuse me, the Protestant evangelicals, who have a strong and often vivid preoccupation with the signs of the second coming of Christ. Many of the notions they expressed there are either erroneous or extreme. Some of these notions are rooted in a misunderstanding of the various genres of scripture. Others are caused by reading certain scriptures in isolation from the wider context. That happens all the time. Mom. Of the whole scripture. And yep. again, that's the Catholic approach. Is, exactly. You don't, and again, Scott Hahn used to say, you know, a, a, a text without a context is a pretext. <laughs> we have to take every text within the context of the whole. Yeah. We don't isolate scripture passages. We need to look at them in the whole, right. as a whole. And some are rooted in the reading of one text while disregarding others that balance it. The Catholic approach to eschatology is perhaps less thrilling and provocative. Uh, oh, yeah, it doesn't sell as many books. Uh, or movies. movies or, yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. You can't, you know, the Left Behind series. I, yeah. I'm sorry, it, it's not going to work, not with the Catholic approach. No. It does not generate movies uh, or cause people to sell their houses or gather on hillsides waiting for the announced end. (laughs) It's more methodical and seeks to balance a lot of notions that often hold certain truths in tension with one another. Okay. What I offer here is an approach that I call complete eschatology, only a sketch of basic principles rooted in the catechism of the Catholic Church. Okay. So Father's going to give us five points. Mm -hmm. He's going to give us five points. Yep. Number one, soon and sudden. Soon and sudden, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, suspended. Number three, suffering and sedition. Number four, secular utopian, utopianism rejected. And number five, second coming follows a final unleashing of evil. So these five, but they have to be held in balance. Right. And Father, throughout this article, oh, the scripture passages, this is awesome. It's really great. But in, in addition to this, I really encourage, because I don't know if we'll get to it in this show, right. um, people read the readings. Go to the USCCB website and read the daily readings for this week and next week. These are the last two weeks of the liturgical, liturgical year. They're reading the Gospel of Luke chapters 19 and 20. Mm-hmm. And it, he talks about the judgment and, and different things that are going to, you know, the end. But again, it's, we're, we're remembering, you know what, the end is going to come for each one of us. That doesn't mean my end is the end of the world. <laughs> and and right. a lot of things have happened. You know, remember, for the, for the Israelites, the end of the world happened in 70 AD when the temple was destroyed. Oh, yeah. In a very real sense, because the temple was a microcosm of the entire world. Yeah. And it represented the, actually the universe. So when the temple fall, fell, it, it's as if the, the moon and the stars and everything collapses in on itself. And so when we understand these things... Trials and tribulations are going to come in every day and age, but we have to be prepared for what God actually prepares us for. So soon and sudden, what does he mean? Well, the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 673 says this, since the ascension, Christ's coming in glory has been imminent. What? What are you talking about? That's 2,000 years ago. Mm -hmm. He hasn't come yet. Well, 
That's what the church says. It's imminent. Look at Revelations 22:20. His coming is imminent. Even though it is not for you to know times or seasons, which the Father has fixed by his own authority. Remember Acts 1, 7, when the apostles, Jesus is leading them out for the ascension, and they say, Lord, has the time come you're going to restore the reign to Israel now? Yeah. Mary, you just jumped in and said Revelation 22, 20 to 21. I want to read what it says so that the context, of, not everybody's memorized these verses. Why not? It says, <laughs> he who testified to these things says, yes. I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. That's what the Bible said. Right. And that's the, by the way, that should be our prayer. Come, Lord Jesus, come. That should be a constant prayer in the heart of every Christian. Mm -hmm. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, you said you were coming soon. Come. We pray for the coming of his kingdom. We're supposed to long for it. Yeah. You know, Jesus said those will be, he'll be seen by those who long for his to see him with right. eager longing. Right. Okay. So, and in Acts, as I said, Acts 1, 7, Jesus said, it's not for you to know times and places the father has reserved for himself. Mm-hmm. When they asked him, I was a time come, are you going to restore in the reign of Israel now? Which, now remember that Acts 1, 7, that's after the resurrection. Jesus is leading them out. This is even, he spent 40 days with them after the resurrection. This is the day of the ascension. He's leading them out to the mount for, for his ascension. And the apostles are still looking for an earthly kingdom. What? Yes, after everything they've seen, after all the suffering Christ went through, they're, they're looking for an earthly kingdom still. And Jesus is... You know, it's, it's kind of like that moment of they'll get it. They'll get it. the Holy Spirit. Hopefully. Is coming. <laughs> but but the thing is, he knew the Holy Spirit is coming. Pray for the coming of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will enlighten you and open your hearts to realize this eschatological coming could be accompanied at could it be accomplished at any moment, even if both it and the final trial that will precede it are delayed. So look at Matthew 24, 44. 1 Thessalonians 5, 2, and 2 Thessalonians 2, 3 through 12. And we could read Matthew 24, 24, just as an example. It's, we think it's coming, and it is coming, and it's imminent, but the deal is, is it can also be delayed. So in Matthew 24, 24, it says, as she turns the page, For the false Christs and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders as so as to lead astray, if possible, even the elect. Wow. So there's going to be times that appear to be the end times and you'll have false Christs yep. and false prophets. And they may even lead, if possible, the elect astray. That's why we have to keep our eyes focused on Jesus and beg for the Holy Spirit to constantly. And we have to discern the spirits. Yep so that we don't get led astray. So um, again, there's this balance. There's this balance. It's not, we don't think as God thinks. So it's not about our thoughts. Mm. It's about God's thoughts and what are his intentions. And again, God is trying to free us. Jesus Christ didn't come to free us from suffering. And we know that because he himself suffered. He didn't come to take away and eradicate human suffering. He came to fill it with his presence. And I hope people go back and listen to that Dominican priest to talk about redemptive suffering. Go back and on our podcast at uh, vmpr.org because it's essential that we understand how we can affect the salvation of ourselves and others by offering it all to Jesus. We're talking about the essential Catholic teachings on the end times, on the Bible and the Barber. Stay with us, family. We'll be right back after a quick break. 
Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Welcome. Welcome back to Bible with the Barbers on this <laughs> Friday, the 19th day of November. And who are we going to be praying for, Mary, for the poor souls in purgatory, right? That's right. It's the month of all November. All month long. We're, we're praying for the poor souls. This is the month of the poor souls. Yep. Remember them all. Month. Good. So um, we're talking about a biblical view of the end times, the mm-hmm. essential Catholic teachings on the end times. Yeah. And again, Catholic teaching, I remember Scott Hahn and, and many of the Protestant uh, uh ministers who converted mm-hmm. the Catholic faith, they said in Protestantism, there was a lot of, it was either or, either or. And they found out as they became Catholics, it's not necessarily either or, it's both and. Mm. There's this tension. There's this tension where we have to balance truths and, and, and not say, well, it has to be black or white, but, but that it's, it's, it's a balance and, a, and a, um, a bringing together of things that seem to be contradictory mm-hmm. but when brought together are complementary. You know, it's, it's interesting because it's kind of like the creation of man and woman, right? Bishop, um, uh, G.K. Chesterton, in one sense, he said, you know, I've never known a compatible marriage in my life. There's nothing so incompatible as a man and woman. <laughs> he said, but I've known very many happy marriages because man and woman are different but that difference is meant to be a complementarity where when you work together, we produce beautiful things in union with God and for mm-hmm. God. So number two, the suspended. Okay. So the coming of Christ is suspended. And in paragraph 674 of the catechism, it says, the glorious Messiah's coming is suspended at every moment of history until his recognition by all Israel. Wait a minute. Where does the Catholic Church get that? <laughs> so I'm going to comment on this from the scriptures as right. we go along. We'll take a look at Romans 11, number 20 through 26. That is true. And he's talking about Israel. The branches were broken off. They were broken off because of their unbelief. But you stand fast only through faith. So do not become proud, but stand in awe. For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. Paul's talking about the natural branches, that is Israel. They were the original branches on the vine of Christ. Note then that the kindness and severity of God, severity toward those who have fallen, but God's God's kindness to you, provided you continue in his kindness. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you too will be cut off. And even the others, if they do not persist in their unbelief, will be grafted in. For God has the power to graft them in again. Even though they had been cut off, they can be grafted back. Turn back to the Lord. It's not whether or not you sinned. Did you get up again? Did you repent? For if you had, if you have been cut off from what is by nature a wild olive tree and grafted contrary to nature into a cultivated olive tree, how much more will these natural branches be grafted back into their own olive tree? Lest you be wise in your own conceits, I want you to understand this mystery, brethren. A hardening has come upon part of Israel until the full number of the Gentiles comes in. And so all Israel will be saved as it is written, the deliverer will come from Zion. He will banish ungodliness from Jacob. So Paul is the one, this is where the church gets this idea that Israel will come back to the Lord 
And the end of time will not come until Israel's come back. That, that's a requirement based on what the church has taught. And we're supposed to be praying for that, yeah. by the way. So, mm-hmm. for a hardening has come upon part of Israel, as it said there in, in verse 26. In their unbelief towards Jesus, St. Peter says to the Jews of Jerusalem after Pentecost, Repent, therefore, and turn again, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for establishing all that God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old. And that's a quote from Acts 3, 19 through 21. St. Paul echoes him. For if their rejection means the reconciliation of the world, what will their acceptance mean but life from the dead? That's Romans eleven fifteen. 15. Mm-hmm. writes that. The full inclusion of the Jews in the Messiah's salvation in the wake of the full number of the Gentiles, Romans eleven twelve, will enable the people of God to achieve the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ in which God may be all in all. And that sentence, those, those, those quotes are from, you know, the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, Ephesians 4, 13, and in which God may be all in all, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, 27, 28. So we're looking for this, this suspended, yeah. Ever since the, 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 the resurrection and ascension of our Lord, his coming is imminent, but a thousand years or as a day to the Lord, and a day is as a thousand years. And Mary, let me just jump in and say that for most of us on the planet for the last 2,000 years, when I say most, I'm all, and <laughs> the end of the world is at a time of our death. Right. And so this is why, you know, it's important. Yes, we were studying the end times, but for most of us, the end times is, is at our death when we have our judgment, where we call it our exit interview. Right. So all of this applies but let's just be honest. It's, is it really that important that the end of the world comes in our lifetime? No. No, it's not that important. But a lot of people are focusing on that, but we're forgetting that what's most important is that we die in the state of grace. Exactly. And there, there's also a temptation here, and I think we all need to be aware of this in Tell our us. own selves. Tell us. And that is we're suffering, and we see the suffering around us, and we just want it to end. Yeah, that's true. So we're like, Lord, just come and end it. Yeah. Come, and end it. come and judge all the bad guys and send them all to hell. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have a very good priest friend of ours from the Opus Angelorum, and he he likes to say, "Well, wait a minute. If God comes and ends it all, and, and to send all the bad guys mm-hmm. to hell, yeah, who's going to get to heaven? Right. We're all sinners, honey. Exactly. We're all in this together. Right. And none of us can ever infallibly know that we're in the state of grace. That's true. And that's that's a teaching of the church. Well, but tell us what Joan of Arc said. Joan of Arc, at her trial, they were going to trap her. They wanted to prove she was a heretic. Yeah. So their final ditch effort was to say she was an ignorant peasant girl, right? <laughs> and so they said, Joan, are you in the state of grace? Yes, I'll catch her. All she had to do was say yes, and they would say heretic. Well, she didn't say yes. She looked at them and she said, if I am in the state of grace, may the Lord keep me there. And if I am not in the state of grace, may the Lord put me there. What a great answer. And and that's it. It's like, Lord, no, I can't infallibly know if I'm in the state of grace. But St. Francis de Sales says we can infallibly know if we desire to be in right. the state of grace. And Joan knew that she desired to be in the state of grace. Right. And Francis de Sales goes on to say, if we persevere in that desire, 
Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will infallibly put us in the state of grace. So desire to be in the state of grace. I remember when the kids were little, our mm-hmm. children were little, and I sure. used to tell them, it's not whether you fell down or not, it's whether you got up again. You know, we all sin. Mm-hmm. But to repent of our sin and to say, Jesus, I want to be in the state of grace. I want to go to heaven. You want to go to heaven? Ask Jesus every day to get you ready and make it possible for you to go to heaven. Make sure that you're in the state of grace. Right. And again, you know, we don't know, you know, how evil any sin is. It's we have a loss of the sense of sin in our time. St. Oh, yeah. John Paul II, at his beginning of his pontificate, he prayed, return, return to us, O Lord, a sense of sin yep. and the sensitivity of the saints, that every sin is an infinite offense against God. Don't make compromises with venial sin. Weed all voluntary sin out of your life. Just weed it out. No, you say no to sin. And, and then pray for God to help you to overcome faults. And this is what we all have to do every day. And every day, again, you know, Lord, if I'm in the state of grace, please keep me in the state of grace. But if I'm not, please put me in the state of grace and grant me the grace of final perseverance. And we don't know. I remember, you know, as as a young girl in grammar school, I learned the hard lesson that death comes to anyone at any moment without any warning. Mm. We had a a family that we knew that had 11 children and um, we grew up together. We lived a mile from each other and we used to visit each other and, you know, whatever, and uh, my sister, one of my sisters was in eighth grade, and one of the girls from that other family was in eighth grade. Well, the eighth grade daughter from the other family, she got meningitis, but she was a diabetic. Mm. So when she went into a coma, they assumed she was in a diabetic coma, and they treated her for that. She wasn't in a diabetic coma. She had meningitis. She died. So wow. I was in sixth grade, and the whole school went to her funeral. The entire school went to her funeral because she wow. was one of the students from the school. Wow. That same year, another eighth grader died at the end of the year. Mm-hmm. That family, one year later, was back in that church. It wasn't even a full 365 days yet to bury a brother who died in Vietnam. Wow. Their, their brother who had gone into the army with my, one of my brothers. Yeah. And they were, both became warrant officers and, and helicopter pilots. He died in Vietnam. His helicopter blew up. Wow. And apparently he had gotten out, but his co-pilot was trapped and he went back to get his co-pilot out and he didn't get him out before the thing blew. And, and so, and it's like, whoa, no, we don't know the day or the hour. Death is no respecter of age. It's no respecter of, by the way, it's no respecter of your financial condition or your status in society. Everybody's going to die. Yes. Even Queen Elizabeth is going to die someday. We're all going to die someday. We're not, none of us gets out of it alive. Yeah, last time I looked, nobody gets out alive, and nobody can take that uh, uh, U-Haul trailer with you when you die either. So this is why it's so important to go back to the essential Catholic teachings on the end time and go through catechism, scripture, because we want you to be a high-information Catholic. And I say this, Mary, that everyone needs to ask Jesus Christ for more faith every day right. because if they don't, they'll lose their faith. This is the times we're living in strong faith right now ask jesus for more faith and i always say this if you're not studying your faith you will lose your faith right and another thing is if you're not sharing your faith yeah that's another one yeah if if you share your faith but but with charity remember don't use your faith as a as a bully bludgeon as a club to beat people over the head with (laughs) that's not what it is okay we share our faith charity with charity and and again we don't hate the sinner. Do not be hating people. No. 
even people who it's like that. We had a, a, a listener today. He's from Canada. And there's um, the, one of the priests up there in at a, at a, maybe it was at the cathedral and maybe it was the bishop. The bishop condemned in vitro fertilization and rightly so. It's wrong. Mm-hmm. It, it divides what God joined right. together and it's against the law of God. And so he spoke out on this publicly. So yeah. a certain group of people have said they're going to come and protest outside. So, so this man wrote and he said, well, what we're going to do is we're going to pray the rosary. I'm going to go there with my bullhorn and, and while these other people are protesting against the bishop and saying, what's wrong with you? Why don't, you know, we can have this stuff, whatever. We can do whatever we want. And, and so this man said, well, I'm going to go pray. Awesome. So we pray. We pray together with him. And, and for the sinners, we pray for us sinners, all of us sinners, to be converted to Christ and to give up our sins. This is the whole point of it. We don't want, we don't know when Christ is coming for me personally. We know the end of the world will come at some point, but again, all of Israel hasn't been converted yet. So, you know, don't look for the imminent end of the world. (sighs) Wow. The music. Hey, I want to remind everybody the spiritual warfare conference is coming up soon. January 29th and the 30th of 2022. We've got about 500 people registered. There's still room for you. This is going to be an amazing conference. Father Chad Ripperger and his crew, Jesse Romero, myself will be there. Go to vmpr.org to register or call us at 877-526-2150. Stay with us for Now back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. I love that smile, Mary Danielle. I'm in Studio B. You're in Studio A, but I feel like I'm right with you, girl. You are. You are right with me. I am. And and Mary, this is so exciting to talk about. For those who just tuned in, this is the Essential Catholic Teachings on the End Times. Monsignor Charles Pope is is one person that if you ever type his name under Google, any article he ever has written, he's written hundreds of them, they're all very orthodox and solidly Catholic. And so this is a great thing that you're doing for our listeners to give us those essential teachings. So I'm, I'm all ears. Well, and thank you. I want to thank all our listeners for joining us. I want to thank all the little radio stations who pick us up and, yeah. and carry our signal. And all of those of you who have the app. Those are, and by the way, your, your questions, I'm trying to get to them. Um, <laughs> please don't, you know, if I haven't answered a question and you ask it a while ago, send it in again. And, and those who ask for prayers, we do look at those prayer requests and we do take them seriously and we, we lift them up in prayer. We don't know you do that. Last night, those prayers were in our church every Thursday night when we pray for our priests. I always bring that, or Trish gives me the list of all the people that are praying to put up on the altar. So we really do take that serious. Yeah. And, and so, and, and I especially want to pray those who support us financially and also those who support us with their prayers and that's their right. sacrifices and their sufferings. Amen. And that's the next, we're, we're at the next point and that's suffering and sedition. And our suffering has meaning in Jesus Christ. Catechism Catholic of the Catholic Church 675 says, before Christ's second coming, the church must pass through a final trial that will shake the faith of many believers. Luke 18, 8 and Matthew 24, 12. Mm-hmm. The persecution that accompanies her pilgrimage on earth will unveil the mystery of iniquity in the form of a religious deception offering men an apparent solution to their problems at the price of apostasy from the truth. Yep. The supreme religious deception is that of the Antichrist, a pseudo-messianism by which man glorifies himself in place 
of God and of his Messiah come in the flesh. Christ didn't come to eliminate human suffering, and he did not come to establish a utopia here on this earth. He came to redeem the meaning of our human suffering by filling it with his presence. And it's interesting, this week, Monday, the reading was from the book of Maccabees. Oh, yeah. Okay, and it, it talks about when the Greeks had taken over the world, pretty much, and they had taken over um, Ju- Jerusalem and Judea, yep. and they had put up a gymnasium, and they had, <laughs> they, you know, the, the Greek king had, had, had um, declared that everybody will abandon the religion of their fathers, their ancestors, and will all be one. We'll all be the same. We're just, we're all going to have the Greek religion. We'll worship the Greek gods and we'll practice these pagan practices. Well, there were many in Israel who didn't, okay? They wouldn't sacrifice to the idols. They wouldn't throw out their customs. And, and so um, it's just, it, it's a very terse reading. It's, it's in 1 Maccabees 1. And they don't read the whole chapter, but you might want to read the whole chapter. But it says here, um, you know, any who were found with uh, scrolls of the law, the scrolls of the law were torn and burnt. Whoever was found with the scroll of the covenant and whoever observed the law was condemned to death by royal decree. But many in Israel were determined and resolved in their hearts not to eat anything unclean. They preferred to die rather than to file, be defiled with unclean foods or to profane the holy covenant of the law. And they did die. Yep. Terrible affliction was upon Israel. And this is it. The affliction comes. But before the actual end of the world, there's going to be a time of affliction and sedition that will try even the faith That's, of the faithful. Yep. And that we have to pray every day for the grace of final perseverance. The saints have said you can't possibly merit. There are certain things that God will, God attaches merit to our work. It's not merit because we deserve it. It's that God attaches merit to our work. But the grace of final perseverance can't be merited. And Mary, I want to bring up Our Lady of Fatima here. Yes. Because she said that souls are going to hell because no one is there to pray and make sacrifices for. Yeah. And I think of this today. That was 1917 when she said that. Yeah. And here it is over 100 years later and so appropriate. So this is why I mention to people all the time, understand there's so much wasted pain out there that could be used for the salvation of souls if it is properly applied to the spiritual life. And you know, when you when someone told me that, Mary Danielle, here we are in our 60s, I was taught that as a teenager for the first time. Yeah. And it blew me away. And I thank God it was such an insight. It was through a catechism yeah. that taught me that I could offer my suffering in union with the sufferings of Christ to help redeem the world. What a what a uh, manifestation of of insight that many Catholics have not been taught, and that's why I'm yeah. wanting to push it so much. Redemptive suffering. And where do we get that idea? What was it Paul said? I fill up. Well, Colossians chapter own, one. Colossians. I fill up in my own flesh what is lacking in the sufferings of Christ. Yep. This is the scriptures, yep. not me. For the sake of His body, the that's church. right. So we can offer our sufferings. And, and there's a beautiful story. It's a true story. There was a, a young woman who was diagnosed with tuberculosis. Oh, you got to tell that. And one. she was going to die. Yes. And she was in a hospital and a priest came into the room mm-hmm. and she looked at him and she said, Father, don't talk to me about death. I don't want to <laughs> die. I'm young. I have so much of my life to live. And Father said, well, look, um, you're suffering and I, I'm going to anoint you and I'm going to pray that you be healed. Mm. 
But I'm going to ask you a question. A priest sent me here. A priest, by the way, he happens to be your brother. And he didn't, he didn't presume to ask himself, but he asked me to ask on his behalf. Would you be willing to offer your sufferings for his priesthood? And she looked at him. And she thought about it. Wow. And she said, Father, I'll try. I'll try. So Father anointed her. And shortly after that, she was sent home from the hospital. They couldn't cure the tuberculosis. So it was only a matter of time before she would die unless God worked a miracle. Mm -hmm. And in the next few months, she was transformed. Wow. And she was no longer rebelling against the idea that she was going to die young. Mm -hmm. And she finally... As she was approaching death, she finally revealed to her brother that I accepted the challenge to offer my sufferings for your priesthood. Wow. Powerful. And I am offering my sufferings for you. And she was no longer rebelling against the idea that she would die young. She found out that by her sufferings and offering her sufferings for her brother, that would strengthen her priest, his priesthood. Mm -hmm. and, and by so doing, she would affect souls. That's right. And, and so just the beautiful, our suffering has meaning. Yes, there's going to be suffering. And, and, and what the suffering of the end of the world is going to look like, I don't have to worry about it. We, as Father, you know, Father Pope says in his commentary on this, is the church has clearly gone through many troubled times and it's been afflicted by <laughs> isms and, and heresies and, yes. and, and a lack of love. And, and our love has grown cold and, and we have to fight against this. We have to keep our love alive. And ask Christ to rekindle in us love. Yep. Love the sinner. Love the sinner. Love the sinner, but hate the sin. Yep. I cannot condone the sin of homosexuality. I cannot condone the sin of gossip. I cannot condone the sin of injustice against the poor and oppression of the poor and the widowed and the orphan. Okay? But I can love anyone who's sinning because we're all sinners. And Christ deals patiently with erring sinners. And the priest can deal patiently with erring sinners. He, he shares in the priesthood of Christ because Christ shared in our own flesh and blood. He never sinned, but he had a body. He really took to himself a human nature. Yep. So he understands what it means to walk in this world and to suffer. Yep. He really, but he didn't come to eradicate the suffering. Right. So the suffering is going to be there. But again, we pray for the coming of his kingdom. Amen. All of our sufferings can be offered up. And Bishop Sheen said, what was it he said about the nuclear, uh, spiritual nuclear power plant? Yeah, that if people in the hospitals really understood redemptive suffering, that uh, this would be an opportunity. It would be like a, 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 a atomic power plant, except it's a spiritual atomic power plant. The, the graces that would flow from people understanding redemptive suffering. And Mary, that's why we played that Dominican Father James video on redemptive suffering yeah. people in hospitals are, they don't know their their pain is wasted yeah. there's no value in it right. and see there is value once you understand and this is a great mystery it really is it is but god has given this to us and we want to tell everybody who we can tell about redemptive suffering i'll just quote that colossians chapter one i fill up what is lacking in the sufferings of christ for the good of the church I remember Dr. Scott Hahn, I asked him, Daniel, I think you asked him, we asked, how did you understand that verse? And what was his response? Remember? It, it, they didn't. Exactly. There was, there was no, there's no, it's like, well, as a Protestant, they, I mean, it, it, Christ, Christ merits, everything was sufficient. Christ did everything. Yep. But, but yet Christ allows us to participate in his redemptive mm -hmm. act. 
That's right. Not because there was anything insufficient in, in the sense that he no. was, but, but in the sense that we need that participation. That's right. And so he allows us. It's the condescension of God. Yep. God condescends to our need. Yep. We need to participate. We need to love. And, and Jesus told St. Catherine of Siena, he said, you know, I, I, I demand that you love the way I love. <laughs> and I loved you before you loved me. Yes. So you couldn't love me before I loved you. So I gave you your neighbor. <laughs> that's a good one. I gave you your neighbor. Yeah. So that's what that's what this is. Yeah. And and God condescends to us. We are his little children and he's raising us up. Right. You know, as it as it says in the Old Testament, when Ephraim was a child, I loved him. I, I remember Bishop Sheen's comment in the quotable Sheen. He says, if one loves, everything is easy. If one doesn't love, everything is hard. Amen. Well Amen. said. So we have then the four number four was secular utopian ism rejected and this is that's a teaser now for right that because we got a break we're going to take say it one more time what are we going to talk about secular utopianism yep. rejected number four yep we need to take a good look at this about the antichrist deception that's what we're going to talk about yeah. you won't want to miss that i want to remind you again all of these shows of virgin most powerful are podcast so if you wanted to hear like last week we did salvation history with dr scott Hahn, you can hear that or the week before but that's not just on the Bible with the Barbers. That's all of our shows. But send these videos, send these shows to your friends. Amen. That's how we grow. This free app that we have on our website, go to vmpr.org, download it, and you can listen anywhere in the world to these shows. And our goal is, is to get you to heaven. Yeah, we want to teach people the meaning and purpose of life. That's what Virgin Most Powerful Radio is all about. Again, when we come back... Mary's going to talk about the secular utopianism rejected and the Antichrist deception and much more. Stay with us, family. How's that for a teaser, folks? Come on back. We'll be right back. Now, back to Bible with the Barbers. If you have a question or comment, call 888-526-2151. Here's Terry and Mary Danielle. Again, thank you so much for joining us on Bible with the Barbers on this Friday, November the 19th, 2021, one week before Thanksgiving here. And again, uh, this Sunday is the Feast of Christ the King. This is Christ, the, Sunday is not the end of the liturgical year, by the way, because there's the whole week, Monday through Saturday after the, that <laughs> feast. Right. And then the beginning of the, so the actual end of the liturgical year is the Saturday um, at the end of the week after Christ the King. And then the first Sunday of Advent is the beginning of the new year. So we're supposed to be preparing, uh, you know, examining our lives, looking, making resolves to be better, to become more like Christ, to become more docile to the will of God. So we're going to talk here about this secular utopian, utopianism. Thank you. (laughs) Rejected. Mm -hmm. So the antichrist deception already begins to take shape in the world. Every time the claim is made to realize Within history, that messianic hope, which can only be realized beyond history through the eschatological judgment. And when we talk about eschatological, we're only we're talking about the end of time, the eschatological judgment. This this the the messianic, the, the full coming of the kingdom of Christ is is the kingdom of heaven and it will be in heaven, not on this earth. The church has rejected even modified forms of this falsification of the kingdom to come under the name of millennialism. Mm -hmm. Sorry. 
especially the intrinsically perverse political and secular form of messianism. That's in the Catechism of the Catholic Church, 676. And, and what's interesting, the 20th century has probably been the most stark example of this. Yeah. Many in human history, Monsignor Pope comments, and especially in modern times, have advanced the notion that a secular utopia can be ushered in by human effort and by submitting to a government or worldly power or a charismatic figure. Sounds like right now. Watch out. Exactly. Yeah. Many repressive regimes and movements, often led by powerful charismatic leaders of the last century, claimed the power to usher in such a utopia. The sad legacy of the 20th century shows how tragic and bloody such attempts have been. The church also rejects the religious form of this idea, which holds that prior to the second coming of Christ, a period of a thousand years is set aside during which Christ shall reign on earth or during which the church will somehow attain a total victory prior to his second coming. No, we're not looking for a utopia here on this earth. We're not looking for the, 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 the complete coming of the kingdom on this earth. What we're striving for is to overcome sin in our life. And, you know, it's interesting because, uh, you know, in, in certain modern theology, they, they, instead of talking about individual sin, they talk about social sin and social structures that are sinful. And, but, but what they do is they almost absolve individual guilt. And here's the deal. Each of us must come before God as a sinner and humble ourselves and repent of our sins. And then, then God can work through us to build his kingdom and use us to be an instrument in the building of his kingdom according to his goodwill and pleasure. But we need to stop looking for a couple of things. One, don't expect, by the way, politics. The <laughs> Republican Party is not our savior. Nope. Not even Donald Trump is our savior. You know, there's no human person. It's the lamb, not the donkey or the elephant. Exactly. It's the lamb. And the lamb is not a human person. He's a divine person who took to himself a human nature, Jesus Christ. And so we're looking to Jesus. He is the one who brings the salvation and he is the one who brings in the kingdom of Christ. It's his kingdom, but it's not going. And even here, Monsignor Pope warns us that we, some of us get this religious idea that there's going to be a thousand years of peace where oh, the church will, everything will be beautiful and perfect. And no, as a matter of fact, that's not what the church is telling us. No, that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for individual people to commit themselves to being, oh my goodness, Terry, I want to say the S word. Is that okay? Yes. Saints, exactly. S-A-I-N-T, everyone. To be a saint is not the option of the few, Mother Teresa of Calcutta told us. It's the simple duty of us all. By our baptism, we are called to live a life of union with God, a life of constant practice of his presence, being in the presence of God and offering our entire life in union with him and for the coming of his kingdom. But that doesn't mean we're going to have a secular or a religious even utopia. The saints suffered. But in the midst of that suffering, there's joy. Even on the cross, Christ knew joy. Remember in Hebrews, it says, Jesus Christ endured the cross, heedless of its shame, in view of the glory that would be revealed in him. There was that peace within him that couldn't be touched by the suffering that said that what I'm doing is according to the Father's will and this will bring about salvation. 
And each of us, when we cooperate in his plan, ask for this grace to know this because we're not looking for a utopia here on earth. We're not looking for a peace where all suffering is removed. There's always going to be suffering and death. You know, that, that it just is. Yeah. You know, that all your vitamin companies that say, oh, reduce your risk of mortality. Um, no, honey, it's not going to happen. We're all going to die. Okay. But we can live a life in union with Christ so that when we do die, <laughs> we can live in union with him for all eternity. And that begins by living in union with him now. As yeah. Mother Teresa used to say, honey, Death is not going to change your will. It will solidify it. Mother Angelica said that. Did I, is that what I said? I said, Mother, said Mother Teresa. I'm sorry, Mother Angelica. Yeah, yep. Mother Angelica. She used to say that. <laughs> honey, honey, honey. Remember, Mother Angelica, I loved her. I did too. You know, and she was so, she was so down She was a grandma, earth. man, to all of us. So down to earth and so motherly. Yep. But, but again, death will not change our will. It solidifies it. So mm-hmm. right now, let's change our wills and choose for Christ. And you know, that's really everything about our faith is that self-abandonment. That's, that's the key yeah. to living a Christ-centered life. I yeah. give my will over to God's will. I give everything I can because what has he given to you? Everything. everything. Life. Are, it is a gift from God. Your hands, your feet. Everything is a gift from God. Let's yeah. give it back to him. Right. And point number five is the second coming follows a final unleashing of evil. Yes. The church will enter the glory of the kingdom only through the final Passover when she will follow the Lord in his death and resurrection. Look, mm. Revelation 19, 1 through 9. Yep. Again, yes, the church will follow Christ in his passion. Jesus Christ was crucified. Anyone who's going to follow Christ has to follow him to Calvary. The only path to the resurrection is Calvary. Yep. And that's, you know what, that's not a bad thing. We can offer our sufferings in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. So the kingdom will be fulfilled then, not by a historic triumph of the church through a progressive ascendancy, but only by God's victory over the final unleashing of evil, which will cause his bride to come down from heaven. Again, Revelation 13, 1, Revelation 27 through 9, and Revelation 21, 2 through 4. God's triumph over the revolt of evil will take the form of the last judgment after the final cosmic upheaval of this passing world. What was it St. Paul said? The world as we know it is passing away. We need to get that into our hearts and into our heads. The world as we know it is passing away. We need to live in union with God moment by moment. By the way, the foundation of the spiritual life, this is the foundation, it's not the pinnacle, is the constant living in the presence of God. I remember saying to a group of young people one time, we're supposed to be thinking about God all the time. And one of them looked at me and said, that's too much work. I was like, well, honey, you know, let's get over our laziness. I didn't think of it at the time, but I think of it now. Let's get over our laziness and say, you know what? I'm going to reject that temptation to be lazy. And I'm going to start disciplining my mind and my heart to think about God. Walter Mitty, you know, does anybody remember the story, The Secret Life of Walter Mitty? I remember when I read it as a teenager and I didn't get it because I was thinking he's walking around seeing this TV in front of him all the time and all these, you know, TV shows are going on and he's the hero of every TV show. And I didn't realize it's just daydreams. You don't have to have pictures in your head. It could be words. Yep, you're right. Mary, I want to remind everybody the particular judgment and the general judgment. Let's Amen. go over that. Yeah. The particular judgment is when you die, you get judged, right? Right. And the, and the general judgment is the universal judgment of everyone. And here's the difference. The, the, the results are the same in the sense that right. your judgment 
at your particular judgment won't change at the general judgment. It's final. But what's going to happen is everything comes out. Everything. In other words, all the things that were uh, that were behind it, doors all comes out for everyone to know the truth. Right. Everything that was hidden will be revealed. Exactly. And everything that we have said in secret will be revealed. And so now it will be made clear to the world why. Yes. Why the judgment we get. And, and God's judgments are just. Amen. Remember, we, we did Daniel a couple of weeks mm -hmm. ago, and we talked about the, the beginning, uh, the, the uh, Daniel chapter 3, yeah. and Azariah's prayer in the furnace where he says, Lord, all of your judgments are right, and they're all true. We've sinned. That's it. We've sinned against you, and your but now have mercy on us. For the sake of the glory of your name, O Lord, have mercy. Have mercy. So we have to know. We need this balance, and the balance is attention, and that takes a discipline, a discipline of our mind and our hearts. Yep. And we need to discipline ourselves to live in the presence of God moment by moment. And you know what? Faith is a gift, as Terry always says. If you want it, ask for it. And if you want more faith, ask for it every day. But And how do we do that? Well, you know, we have faith, hope, and charity. These were given to us in baptism when we were baptized. We were given the theological virtues of faith, hope, and charity. What is the work of faith? Prayer. Prayer is the work of faith because we believe that God is God and we are not. Mm -hmm. And prayer is a conversation with him. And we're asking him for what we need for our eternal salvation and also for what we need in this earth to be able to carry on our duties and, and to fulfill his plan for us in this world. Hope. What is the work of hope? Mortification. Amen. An age that cannot mortify itself is an age that has lost its hope, no longer believes that it has an eternal destiny. We need to recover the reality of our eternal destiny and we need to start practicing mortification and offering that in union with Jesus to help redeem the world. And charity. And what is the major work of charity? Almsgiving. Almsgiving. But there's also a work of charity called prayer, especially when we pray for the souls in purgatory because they can't pray for themselves. But we pray for one another can be a work of charity. So we need to pray. We need to mortify our flesh and Part of that can be discipline, the mortification, cease the inner dialogue and change the subject of your meditation. Mortify your thoughts and your inward dialogue. Cease the inner dialogue and make God the center of our lives. You know, Mary, all of what you're saying reminds me of St. Augustine when he said, if you pray well, you will live well. If you live well, you will die well. If you die well, all will be well. What more is there? That's it. All right. You nailed it, young lady. Hey, Bible with the Barbers, thanks again for joining us. Don't forget the Spiritual Warfare Conference coming up the 29th and 30th of January. There's still room for you. Go to vmpr.org and check it out. And we just want to thank all of our monthly donors. We know we're in the middle of uh, hiring a new person on, and we're asking everybody to up a little bit more on their monthly donations to pay for this new engineer that's coming on. Our Virgin Most Powerful, I'll thank you ahead of time. Go to vmpr.org or call us at 877-526-2151. And you have a wonderful weekend. And as I say here at Virgin Most Powerful, full sheen ahead. God love you and your family. <laughs>